Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. P with Mr. P Explorers, and if you are tuning in right now, you are back for yet another episode of Mr. P's Tales from the Road. Hello from a curiously warm north coast here. Uh, it is currently uh, in the, I want to say, 40s here in Cleveland right now. Very strange for February, but here we are. Uh, it's been a very strange exploration season this winter. I can count on one hand, probably... Uh, the times I've been out where it's been frigid to the point of wearing a jacket. So, very strange winter. Now, we still have a month to go, so who knows what might happen. You never know around here what might get dropped. Canada might drop something big on us. Who knows? But uh, we we may be able to get away with this winter with only uh, a few cold days. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I hope you guys are all doing great out there. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Um, I am very excited right now. Things are starting to gel for the... Uh, New Orleans trip that is that is coming coming into fruition here, uh, which will be happening at the end of March. Very excited for that. We'll be driving down, uh, spending a couple days down there and checking things out. So I'm very excited to get out of Northeast Ohio, out of the Rust Belt, and into another part of the country to see some other things. So very exciting. Uh, and we also have an adventure out towards eastern New York coming up soon, hopefully, if all things work out. So very, very exciting time here uh, leading up into the summer as we get closer to summer. Um, and there's lots of cool stuff planned for this summer too, but, uh, hopefully you guys all have plans in the works and, 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 and awesome things are happening. Um, again, it's always great to see everybody else's stuff out there. It's great to see everybody else's pages and, uh, Instagram accounts doing well. Um, some great stuff out there. So keep up the good work guys. Um, so today, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a, a place that I've, I've been to twice um, that I need to make a return to, uh, and it, it's a place that um, many people kind of overlook, they never really think about it, but uh, I, I'll back up here. Um, I wanted to talk about the most abandoned place that I've ever been, all right, now... This will all tie into what I just mentioned, but uh, the most abandoned place up until probably a year or so ago that I would have said ever existed was Gary, Indiana. I've done a show on Gary, uh, talked about how how just insanely abandoned that place is. Um, I mean, it is getting a little better, I guess. Some things have been you know, demoed, and uh, the mayor is on on, on, a, on a rampage to get a lot of this stuff cleaned up. But you know, Gary was the 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 keystone, like the big the big uh, the big abandoned. Like there's so much stuff, it's like a, like a candy store of abandoned there. Um, but uh, as of recently, as of about a, you know, about a year or so ago, I discovered a place more abandoned than Gary, Indiana, if that is at all possible. And that's what I'd like to talk to you guys about today. Um, I really honestly thought that at one point, the most desolate and abandoned city that, that ever existed was Gary. Uh, I've done many trips there. Um, I've seen lots of things, but I was dead wrong. Okay, uh, The most abandoned city in my experience so far is East St. Louis, Illinois, uh, in my humble opinion. All right, has taken the top spot of all the places I've been. Um, you know, Gary, while it's a wasteland of many flavors, right, it's still occupied. People live there. Um, maybe not all of the locations, but it's it's lived in. There's there's still a, a, a heartbeat, no matter how faint it is. All right, East St. Louis is a dead city. Um, there's nothing going on there. Um, you know, and this this was a prosperous city right across. We're talking right across the Mississippi River from this huge metropolis, right? Greater St. Louis is like literally like hundreds of yards away. You know, this 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 vibrant. Well, depends on who you talk to. Vibrant city, you know, with with all kinds of crazy things going on. Um, and now it's this 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 vast empty area of cross streets and a, a scattering of completely empty buildings, abandoned buildings, dead, completely dead. Um, you know, there's some things in the outskirts, but for the most part, the core of the city is dead. Um, 
I, I've never seen anything quite like it. Uh, even in Gary, I mean, yeah, they don't have stoplights anymore. They're, they're, they're stop signs. I mean, the stoplights are there, but they have, like, portable stop signs up, you know. But at least people are driving around that city. In, in East St. Louis, everything is blocked off. The whole downtown is pretty much blocked off with concrete blocks, these giant concrete blocks. There are whole areas of the downtown you can't even drive through. That's how abandoned it is. Um and it's all directly, it's like right across from the Gateway Arch, right? You can see the Gateway Arch, it's this huge arch, and right across from this beautiful park, you know, across the river is this dead city. Um, you know, it's just this utter destruction. So uh, I'll talk a little bit about my experience in East St. Louis and some of the things we've done there. I've been there twice now. Uh, we went once in uh, 2021 over the summertime, uh, and then I came back last fall in 2022 uh, and hooked up with some of the gents there. Uh, some fantastic people out there, some fantastic explorers over there in uh, in, in St. Louis. But, um, you know, how do I explain this? Uh, if you've been to Gary, you know, if you've been to Gary, you know, Broadway there is, is the main street. And, and Broadway still gets traffic. You still have cars. It's a main route, you know, leading from south to north. You know, there's, there's traffic on it. You see cars. You see people occasionally. Um, East St. Louis seemed almost apocalyptic in its silence, okay? Uh, if you've ever seen the movie I Am Legend with Will Smith, where he's wandering around, you know, this abandoned New York City, you know, after this zombie apocalypse happens, all right, it's kind of what it felt like. We were there both times in the morning on a Sunday, and it was completely silent. You know, all you heard was the breeze, and occasionally, creepily, you would hear occasional bizarre noises off in the distance, probably made by either a pack of dogs or by a homeless drug addict in the street somewhere, you know, just fritzing out, making bizarre noises, or, you know, maybe he's up in a building somewhere camped out, but that's all you would hear, dead, quiet. Um, it was, it was kind of, it was unnerving, all right? Um, the only thing that would kind of break the facade, right, is to, to have you realize that you're close to civilization. You'd hear a train moving through town, right? You'd hear the horn of the train, this forlorn train, or you'd hear a boat horn coming off the Mississippi, right? That's the only way you really knew that anything was even around at all. It was just disquiet, all right? Um, so I, I figured I'd give you guys a little history on the city, and then we'll get into a couple of the places I've been there and some of the stuff we experienced there when we were there. All right, so this this was once a bustling industrial center, you know, like most of the places in the Rust Belt. I kind of I kind of see St. Louis and and by default East St. Louis as um, kind of like the the far western end of the Rust Belt, um, big manufacturing town at one point. Also, um, you know, uh, East St. Louis got hit just as bad as Gary or any of the other cities that we've talked about. You know, uh, Buffalo, Chicago, Cleveland, all that stuff, Detroit. Um, you know, second half of the 20th century was hell for East St. Louis, just like it was for many of us. But, uh, you know, in, in 1950, East St. Louis was the fourth largest city in Illinois. All right. Its population was somewhere around 82,000. All right. As of 2020, it had a population of 18,000 and a half, maybe something like that. Um, so you do the math there. I mean, a huge decline <laughs> over the years. People just took off and left because there was nothing there to, to, to hold anybody. Um, it's got a, a kind of a cool history about it, though. There's a hell of a history attached to East St. Louis, uh, going all the way back to the Native American cultures that were there before white folks showed up. All right, um, you know the Mississippian cultures built this huge, massive, impressive ceremonial center, these giant earthwork mound city complex. It was called Cahokia. Um, I wanted to stop at Cahokia when we were there. It's literally probably ten minutes away, but 
uh, when I left that night, um, you know, it was obviously dark. I wasn't going to go hokey in the dark, but um, maybe next time. We'll see. Uh, the French were there, obviously, founding you know, St. Louis as a trading post. All right. Uh, I want to. I think the date I had was, was, was uh, in 1764. The French, uh, you know, plopped a little town there, and, and that's the beginning. Um, you know, when St. Louis was there. Um, East St. Louis was founded shortly thereafter, uh, in 1797, by Captain James Piggott. Piggott, all right, a Revolutionary War veteran. Um, started off as a small town, and it grew to a larger city. You know, influenced obviously by by St. Louis. St. Louis was the main, the main, the main gig. But uh, you know, right across the river was this, you know, growing town. Um, you know, and by and by 1870, St. Louis was the fourth largest city in the U.S. So I mean, things were things were happening there. All right, you had this post Civil War industry booming. Uh, East St. Louis got a big piece of that. There were factories focusing on meat packing and stockyards. You know, uh, meat related products. All right. Uh, May of 1896, a, a tornado struck St. Louis and East St. Louis all in one shot. It was like the deadliest tornado to ever hit the cities. Um, you know, in 20 minutes, this thing killed 137 people in, in, in St. Louis and 118 in East St. Louis. So it's this giant tornado came ramming through. I don't think they've had one since, since like that. So... Uh, it, it pretty much wiped out their rail yards. It wiped out their commercial district of East St. Louis. All right, it was pretty bad. Um, but they rebuilt, of course. You know, and, and in 1917, East St. Louis saw one of the country's greatest race riots to date. This is when things really kind of got nasty. Um, huge race riot happened there. Lots of buildings burned. Um, you know, lots of people, and of course, there was lots of musicians that came from there as well. You know, speaking of, of, of the migration. Um, uh, Ike and Tina Turner were from East St. Louis, and they went off from, from there to find their fame. Uh, Miles Davis grew up there, uh, the jazz musician. All right, so, you know, it, it was really, it's a place where music, people, musicians came from there. Famous people do come from East St. Louis. All right. Um, by the middle of the century, all right, people were calling this place the Pittsburgh of the West. All right, there were industries there. There were factories there. It was growing. All right. Uh, it, it, by 1961, it, it was at its highest population. Things were just busting out all over. But uh, as you know, right at the end of the 60s and in the, into the 70s, that's when things started to grind down for the United States, as far as industry was concerned. Right, the the, the decline of American industrial might and urban blight uh, that would murder other Midwest cities. It it hit East St. Louis. All right, and uh, you know slowly but surely, East St. Louis began to bleed it. Right, bleed industry, uh, bleed jobs, uh, opportunities moved away, people left, um, and nothing new came to replace any of that. These now crumbling factories, you know, it's just they sat there like everywhere else. Um, they had these huge areas where, where, where whole whole neighborhoods just were either burned down or removed. You have what's called brownfields, right? Uh, you know, areas with heavy contamination, environmental destruction, right? You have these places you can't even do anything with because the ground is so stuffed full of heavy metals and and, and, and liquids and stuff you don't want in your in your groundwater. All right, so people didn't want to come and redevelop this. I mean, the, the land, you would think that people from St. Louis would be like, let's go build over there. It's on the river. We could do all kinds of stuff there. Didn't happen. All right. Um, street gangs, of course, appeared, right? You have all these people leaving, so, uh, you know, there were no jobs. And when there are no jobs, people get desperate, and they seek out alternate means of getting money to survive, and that's how the street gangs began. So huge amounts of violence started happening, um, right down in, in East St. Louis, all right? And as people kept moving out, it got worse and worse. Um, 
The freeways also contributed to East St. Louis's decline. All right, a lot of freeways were built right through there. They broke up functioning neighborhoods and uh, community networks and uh, just all kinds of social disruption. You know, white flight to the suburbs had begun by that point, so all the white folks were leaving. And, you know, the people who could get jobs moved. The people who couldn't get jobs stayed, and that, that, that tended to be uh, people of color. They got stuck there. Uh, and without any taxes, you know, the city cut back on maintenance. You know, the sewers started failing. You know, people weren't picking up garbage. Um... Police cars and radios stopped working. Uh, the East St. Louis Fire Department went on strike in the 1970s. So there was no... So you can imagine, you know, shit was on fire and nobody was putting it out. All right? Um, there were structure fires that, that wiped out a significant number of, of blocks. Kind of like, you know... Uh, they actually filmed... If you guys have ever seen this movie, uh, Escape from New York, right? Um, let's see, it was uh, Kurt Russell, I believe, right in the 80s. They filmed it there, this post-Armageddon film, you know, Escape from New York. They filmed it in East St. Louis. That's how bombed out it was. Um, 1991, uh, you know, several industries, you know, they, they actually formed, uh, they incorporated as their own little town. So instead of having to pay taxes to East St. Louis, they were paying taxes. They were basically paying taxes to themselves. Um, they were like shell shell towns, like little little towns within St. Louis that didn't pay taxes to St. Louis. So you can imagine that, that they took more money away from getting anything done. So the infrastructure collapsed, right? Schools collapsed, neighborhoods collapsed, everything just collapsed. And that leads us to modern day, right? You go to East St. Louis, it is a true urban wasteland, all right? Depopulation, okay? There, there are abandoned properties everywhere, and where there aren't, it's just open open fields. Like, it's basically just, you know, everything's gone. Um, in fact, a lot of these open fields, like blocks where houses used to be, are, are now considered what they call urban prairies, right? Where it's kind of going back to what the prairie land was like back in the day. You know, the Great Plains with the grass. Um, it's all going back to that kind of vegetation. It's, it's, it's nuts to see that. But you drive through there and you see it. It's, it's pretty impressive, actually. It's like, damn, Mother Nature's not screwing around. All right? Um... Yeah, so much of the territory there is undeveloped now. You know, people people would rather go out to the suburbs and find uh, people, you know places where they can set up shop and 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 get people to come and 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 pay for things. Um, it's just gone. It's just all gone. Um, now, what's kind of cool there there are I guess there have been some some hardy folks living in that area that have set up uh, these inner city farms, kind of like what Detroit did. Detroit and Cleveland, to a smaller degree, Cleveland has done this, where they take old sections that have burned down and they're all now gone. They actually plant crops there and try to try to sell crops. Um, I don't know how good that would be, considering all the stuff that's in the soil. I have no idea. Um, you know, so you have these you know, prairie grass, you have these little farms, and you also have you know truck stops, strip clubs. You know, just all these different little things. Some of them abandoned, some of them not. All of them sketchy. All right. Um, so it's it's a pretty rough place. Now, when we were there, uh, there were there were three three locations I'm going to tell you guys about that were really interesting. Three places we really hit, and they were out of a ton of places, but these these are the three big ones that we hit. Uh, and the first one I want to talk about is the Majestic Theater. I love a good theater. As an explorer, I love a good theater. Um, especially if it's somewhat intact and you can see some of the, the, the original, um, you know, the, the tiling and the, and the things that made it. Because as you guys know, way back in the day, they went nuts on theaters. Theaters got lots of money put into them. Um, the local people, in, industry leaders would dump all kinds of money into these theaters and make them beautiful. All right. These, these amazing palace, you know, palaces almost. Um, now, the Majestic 
has has kind of a crazy story. But when you when you drive down the main street of East St. Louis, you see this thing just standing there. It's massive and alone. Everything around it is gone. Just this massive edifice standing there. You know, in in the in the early AM gloom, it was gloomy out both times we were there. So it just had this this just this epic, you know, this epic ruin in front of you. Uh, and and the architecture of the Majestic Theater is breathtaking. You look at the front of it, and there are there are tile. It's just tiles, mosaic tiles all over the building. Uh, it, it's definitely Art Deco. All right, it was built in the uh, in the 20s. So the Art Deco was there, and just, just, just tiling everywhere. It's hard to even explain. You'd have to look at a picture of the Majestic at the front of it to see what I'm talking about. Just all these cornices and, and all these different, like, like just angles and, and, and ledges, and it's really amazing. Uh, and, and, and to make it even more weird... Um, there are trees growing out of every single crevice. So every little ledge has, a tr- has trees growing out of it. So it looks like this crazy t- like jungle temple, right? Um, and, and the weirdest thing, I had to explain to somebody, you see these tiles that have swastikas on them, right? These little swastikas. I was like, why would they have Nazi symbols built into the side of this, this you know, on these tiles? I'm like, well, because before the before the 1930s, nobody knew what a swastika was. A swastika was a, a like a Hindu uh, fertility sign. It was a sign of good. It wasn't necessarily a sign of bad. So you have these swastikas that are still in the tile all over the place. Um, if you look close enough, you'll see them. But uh, again, I. I, I I could talk about what it looked like, but to really understand what the Majestic was like, you have to take a look at the picture. Look it on, check it out online. You'll know what I'm saying. All right. Um, it just it looks like some kind of crazy, like from some kind of crazy RPG game. Just as you come upon this great big ruin, you know. Anyway, um, so the original the, the original theater that stood on the site was called was called the Rex Theater. It burned down in 1927, and. Uh, a year later, that's when they built the Majestic, uh, and it opened on February 26th of 1928. Um, Al Jolson of the jazz singer fame, all right, and and George Jessel, they performed the first performers there, all right. It had uh, seven uh, uh, 1,767 seats, and it had a giant Wurlitzer theater organ. Uh, it was called the Million Dollar Theater because due to high costs of building, the the you know, it, it just it cost a ton to make. They dumped a lot of money in it. Um, they later added on what they called a Vitaphone sound system. So it was, you know, this, this high-tech, you know, they, they were one of the first people, you know, first groups around to put motion pictures into their theaters. So you had to have you know, the best of the best. All right. Um, it was the first theater in the area to have air conditioning. All right. Uh, in 1954, this giant theater got what was called a Cinescope screen. It was like a, more of a curved screen. So you get more of a, a, a surround effect, uh, I guess. Um, that was installed. So it was like it was double the size of the original, and, and they had to get a whole new projector just to have this giant screen put in. So, sadly though, and it only had six years to really be you know completely awesome because it closed in 1960. Uh, people just weren't going to see movies there because the place was declining. Right, the population was starting to go, and uh, it was you know it cost so much to operate the Majestic that they they just closed it down. They closed it down. Uh, lots of people made proposals over the year to restore it, and, and some people got some renovations made, but it was never enough to bring the place back. You know, they put a new roof on it at one point, or they put new windows in, or new doors, or whatever. The 1970s was kind of hit and miss, um, but after that, it just kind of fizzled out. Nobody ever really got around to doing anything with it, and by that point, the rest of the city was collapsing. All right. Uh, yeah, it got added to the National Register of Historical Places in 85, and, um, you know... 
Unfortunately, they were never able to find anybody to, to take it after that and do something with it. Um, the cool part is the organ from the Majestic is still in use. Um, it's in the lobby organ at the Fox Theater in St. Louis, I guess in the third floor, south lobby is what I'm told. So if you're ever in the, in the Fox Theater in St. Louis, that organ there is from the Majestic. Uh, now, we went to the Majestic, like I said, I've been there twice. The, the first time we went there, we did not get to go inside because, for whatever reason, uh, people, we were there, it was just too dark, and there were holes that we couldn't see where we were going. We didn't want to fall through the steps. There was a thunderstorm coming, so we got a couple shots of the outside. The second time we were there, we finally got to go in. Um, again, it was kind of drizzly out this morning, uh, that, that, that second morning. But we went in through the back door, and... Um, as you can imagine, it's completely ravaged. I mean, the whole all the all the seats are gone. Um, you know, everything is is oddly though. You can still tell that like, there was like a red paint paint on the walls. Um, but what you could see were um, the the designed uh, what do you want to call it? Um, I wouldn't call it woodwork. Like the plaster working was still all there. So this this ornate plaster designs all around the walls was still there. I mean, some of it was crumbling, but you could still tell what it looked like back in the day. You know, a lot of the, the painted ceiling was gone. Um, it was in rough shape. Uh, the stage was, you know, basically just this, this wooden pulp. You know, if you stood on the wrong place, you'd go right through it. Um, it was a mess, and it was pitch black. So we really had to, we had to have some lights on it. I had to do some light painting when I was in there to get any kind of detail. Uh, the only light that was coming through was through the hole in the in the stage, the collapsed roof in the stage. So, but uh, it was it, you could tell it was a beautiful theater at one point. Um, I we did not meet anybody in there that time. I have been told all kinds of stories about people who would camp out in there and scare the living shit out of any explorers that went in there. You know, in in, in East St. Louis, you don't know what you're going to get. It's 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 I guess it's the same as being in any in any city, Detroit, Cleveland, whatever. You're going to run into homeless people. They you never know what's going to happen. Um, but I've heard of people being chased out of there by crazy people. So we did not meet any of them that morning, luckily. But uh, I did get some great pictures in there, um, and I would love to go back and try it again just to see if I can do better next time. But uh, it's a really, it's it's just amazing how a place like that can be left behind and just completely abandoned. This beautiful palatial movie theater in the middle of of this this just this urban wasteland. It's crazy. Um, Right down the street, uh, we walk a little bit of ways down, and we come to the, the pretty much the only skyscraper in East St. Louis, uh, the Spivey Building. Uh, the Spivey Building was a 12-story skyscraper in, it was built in 1927. Uh, it was the only skyscraper built there. Uh, the architect's name was Albert B. Frankel, uh, designed this thing in commercial style. I'm not quite sure what that all entails. Could not find out much about it. Uh, very ornate, though. Uh, if you look if you look up the Spivey building, you'll see it's this, it's this stately old office building. Uh, and this was in, in, in the downtown section right there where you couldn't even drive. Like, we, we could walk around the streets free, no cars. Um, you know, the streets were full of debris, bricks that were falling down off the facade of this building. Um, it, it's, it's rapidly collapsing. I'm surprised it's still standing, to be honest with you. Um, that didn't stop us from going inside, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, you know, it was built, you know, in the 1950s when things were at their best, right? They built this thing. Uh, it housed offices, you know, professionals, you know, doctors, dentists, that kind of thing, um, you know. But as it became, you know, as people left, you know, it just declined with, with everything else. Um, it was built by, it was, it was a vanity project. It was, it was, it was actually built by a guy named A.T. Spivey. He was the editor of the, the journal, right, the, the, the newspaper of, of East St. Louis. 
Um, and he was hoping that it would, it would kind of draw more people in and hopefully get more skyscrapers built with time. And he was, he was going to make his mark and hopefully people would follow. And that didn't happen. Um, you know, uh, it was actually, com- it was completed in, in 1927, but uh, the stock market crash came in and, uh, and, and not too many other skyscrapers were built. Um, but it was the most prestigious building in Illinois uh, for years, uh, you know, until Chicago started getting really, really up there with its skyscrapers. But um, anyway, now the building now is totally gutted, right? You can see traces of the marble floors. You're walking around. You can kind of, you know, people have scuffed it up and you can kind of see where the marble is still underneath. It's completely covered in grime and debris. All the ceiling stuff has come down. There's all kinds of stuff on the floor. Um, you can still see traces of how elegant it was, though, as you walk on floor to floor. Uh, a lot of the marble is still in place. I mean, it's been scrapped out completely. There's nothing left in there uh, as far as, like, fixtures or anything like that. But you can still see, you know, the elevators are still kind of cool. Uh, you can see traces of that in there. Um, now, of course, you can also see uh, traces of the homeless people that live there in the warmer seasons. There's lots of mattresses left behind and, uh, you know, all kinds of trash and things like that. Uh, it's open, completely open to the elements. All the windows are gone. So... Every winter you get snow in there, and I'm sure that's doing a number on the structure, slowly breaking it down. Um, no matter how strong they built it, eventually Mother Nature's going to have her way uh, if they don't tear her down first. I don't know. Uh, now, um, the great part about the Spivey was the roof. We went all the way to the roof, and while there's a section of the roof missing, we stayed away from that section, uh, you have this almost mystical view of the St. Louis Arch across the river. Right, just kind of shrouded in this early morning fog, as, as a little bit of rain was coming down. Oh man, what what a view! What a view from there. Um, just it, it, again, this building was built to last, and it didn't even make it, you know, fifty years until you know where it's at now. I mean, it was abandoned, and now it's completely ruined. You know, it's it's crazy. Uh, any other city probably would have taken this building and rebuilt it, and 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 it would be a functioning building today. But the, there is no city to rebuild anything, um, so it sits there. All right. Um, now the last place I want to talk about in, in East St. Louis it, it was one of my favorite places. Um, I, I I have not had a chance to explore many banks. There's a couple banks I've been able to see. Uh, one of them in Brownsville, uh, Pennsylvania, and the other one in Gary, of course, right downtown in Gary. There's a really cool bank with a, a big old vault you can open up and. and but uh, the, 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 the one that we took a look at was called Union Trust Bank, um, right downtown in East St. Louis. Uh, and it was built, uh, it opened in 1926, 1926 uh, and it housed the Union Trust and Savings Bank. Um, it was built in, in a classic revival, so it's this, it's, it's this beautiful, ornate outside. Um, but when you go inside, it's, it's, how do I explain this? The inside... Basically, you had a bottom lobby. The ground floor was the lobby where the tellers were all at, and it was this big open space. Uh, and then you had stairwells on both sides that went up to a top floor, like a balcony level, that looked down into the uh, the lobby. Kind of a U-shaped um, second floor that looked down into the lobby. Um, I don't know if that was the offices, you know, where your loan officers would be or whatnot. And in the very back on the top floor, you had the bigwig offices. Um, Unfortunately, the vault was removed from this place. Uh, you can see, you can actually go in there and see where they took it out. It's completely gone. It's just a big open space in there where it used to be. Um, red carpeting still there. It, 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 it was it, For how long it's been empty, it's in, in damn good shape. The place is really cool. Um, 
you know, it, 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 it marked what they hoped would be a turnaround. They built this bank. They hoped that things were turning around. It came right after the race riot I mentioned earlier. They built this bank, and they were really trying to get East St. Louis on track to become a bigger, better city. And uh, for a while, they, you know, obviously it worked, but, um, you know, the bank later on would go downhill just like everything else. Um, I was not able to find out when it actually officially closed. Um, but judging by the look of the inside, it's been a while. I'd say at least 10, 10 maybe even 20 years. I don't know. Um, there are a couple other banks like it, but they are all still sealed up. We have only been able to see the one. Um, now, the first trip there, uh, in the summer of 20, or 2021, we explored the bank for the first time. Um, and there was this huge thunderstorm coming in off the Great Plains. Like that morning, I mean, it was, the sky was black. Right, looking out towards the Great Plains, looking west from St. Louis, just black skies, and you could hear the rumble, and you knew it was coming. All right, these these demented evil clouds are you know bringing lightning. Like I'd never seen this before, and that's saying a lot because I've seen some crazy storms come off of Lake Erie, but these these were big, just giant like a like a, like a Great Plains storm. All right, um, you know while we're inside the bank, we're setting up our tripods and. Uh, as we're getting ready to shoot the lobby, all of a sudden lightning strikes the top of the building, like like dead on. Like I thought the world was, it's not like God was ending the world right there. The biggest boom I've ever heard. We all oh, about, about shat our pants, right? Maybe some of us did, I don't know. But like, and, and when the lightning hit, sparks flew out of every single outlet in the building. Like all you see are like just sparks flying. And I'm like, I just, it, was, it was almost like apocalyptic. Like, holy shit, this place is going to burn to the ground. The world's over, right? Um, scared the living crap out of us. Uh, it just—I've never had an experience like that before in my life, where lightning strikes like right there and everything just boom, um, bright light everywhere for a second or so, and then it just gone. Um, now, as we were shooting, you know, after we got our senses back, right, we started shooting, and and the storm kind of started to die down. We had our first run-in with any kind of humanity in the downtown area. We had never, we didn't, we didn't see anybody, we didn't hear anybody that morning, but we had our first rundown. It kind of scared the shit out of us because we were inside the building. And there was only one way in and out. There's a doorway in the back, you know, where you could come and go. And right outside the door, we heard somebody that was either mentally ill or on drugs or both. And we can hear them wandering around outside the bank, singing to themselves and talking to themselves. We have no idea what the hell they were talking about. They were just babbling. I, I, there was something wrong with this guy, right? Right outside our only exit, right? And of course, we're like, well, how the hell do we get out of here with this guy? Like, is he going to do something? What's he going to do? Because you just don't know. All right, luckily, after a while, we, we waited about a half, probably about 15 minutes. And luckily, this guy kind of wandered off for greener and drier pastures. Um, you know, who knows what he was there to do? He didn't come in, luckily. He was just wandering around town. Uh, probably came out after the storm. I don't know. You know, who knows? But uh, you know, at that point, it was kind of our our. our you know, once he was gone, it's like all right, time time to leave. And that's where we that's where we ended our weekend right there. Uh, it was time to go home. But um, the second time we went there it was a little little uh, a little little more uneventful. Um, I got to shoot there, and we got to spend a little bit more time, just kind of leisurely. And that day, we saw nobody. This day was completely person-free. Um, to try to get in the first time, though, the, the door we couldn't get the door open at first. So uh, we knew there were tunnels that led from the next-door building down. There was a stairwell and a tunnel that would lead into the actual building, and you'd come back up a stairwell into the bank. Well, we went down there, and didn't we find out that the entire tunnel was like a foot of water? We're like, well, screw that. 
so we we found a way. We, we eventually found a way to get uh, the, the guy I was with got his arm into the broken glass of the door and wound up opening the door from the other side. So we were able to get in there, and we spent a good hour probably inside there just shooting. But, um, yeah, it, it's a beautiful building. Like the red carpeting and the banisters were all, you know, just still in place. Like nobody had, had scrapped those out yet. They were completely, you know, intact. So it was, it was a, a really cool place to see. I was really happy to see that. But uh, I'm also sad to see just how far it's gone, right? Now, those, those were adventures in, in East St. Louis. Uh, there's so much more there uh, that I would love to check out next time I'm out that way. Uh, I think I may fly out there next time. It was a seven and a half hour drive from Cleveland, and uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, uh, corn and soy sucks, and that's all you see um, through Indiana and Illinois and Ohio. It was a long drive. So uh, next time I come in, I'm probably gonna fly in and, and rent a car and do it that way. But um, East St. Louis has a lot of stuff to offer. If you're out, ever out there and you're exploring, um, you know, be careful. Obviously, don't go alone. I would take a, a, a small crew with you, but uh, you know. It's definitely worth it. All right, definitely worth it. Um, but I, again, it's it's now my top abandoned town of all time. It's it's beaten out Gary, Indiana, which is hard to do. Uh, all right, so that's that's the story as of today. Uh, nothing too crazy today. Um, I do want to make mention. I am I am working on yet another question and answer episode. Uh, as you guys know, every once in a while, I'll do a question and answer episode where I gather up questions from people who are uh, listeners. Right, questions you want to know or, or things you want answers to or whatever you want to ask. Uh, and I, I put together a list and I, I just have a, a show and have a good time answering questions. So I've already gotten a nice big chunk ready to go. But if you'd like your questions answered, send them on over to me at Mr. P Explorers. Drop me a message at the Facebook page uh, or at Instagram or you know wherever you're following me at Twitter. Just drop me a message and I would be happy to answer your question on the air. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I always have fun on those. So... Anyway, that is the uh, that's the day here, guys. So uh, if, you, if you enjoyed this, by all means, uh, you know, uh, drop in and, and, and say hello at the uh, the Facebook page and on Instagram or, or Twitter or Vero or wherever you find me. All right, uh, come on down and say hi. Um, it's good to have you guys here. So enjoy your weekends wherever you wind up. All right, have a great time. Get out there, explore, be careful. All right, and uh, as always, document it all. Right, go out there and explore. Um, I will talk to you guys in a week. Have a wonderful day. This is Mr. P signing out.